Hello and welcome to the Lean Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you're staying well and keeping safe. And we are back once again with a potential two-episode week, but we'll see how our lives carry on. But we are definitely back for an earlier-than-usual podcast to review the action from this Sunday's SWPL. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mr Campbell Finlayson. Campbell, how are you doing? I've been better, but I've been worse. So, yeah, can't complain too much at all, Chris. Been better, been worse. As long as you're all good, buddy. So all that matters to me, man. So all that matters to me. Um, but yeah, we are here to fire straight into some SWPL action from the weekend with big game, uh, obviously big game of the weekend, Rangers against Glasgow City, but also Celtic against Motherwell, um, Spartans against Hearts and Forfar hosting Hibernian. But Campbell, let's not mess about. Let's get straight into it. First game, I think we'll, we have to talk about it. Rangers now, Glasgow City 2. We were both at the Rangers training letter slash Rangers training complex slash Auckland Highway slash name to be confirmed. And um, I mean, going into the game, uh, I was I was pretty excited for this one, Campbell. What about yourself? Yeah, it was it was the big game that has kind of stood out for the last few weeks and it was games where certain Rangers had been beating teams you would expect them to beat and then against each other and it was quite clear just how, how big it was. So it was a game that I was certainly looking forward to and Maybe it didn't quite live up, but it was a big win in the end for Glasgow City, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we'll, we'll definitely get into the game. But I think before we talk about the game, we were having a bit of a chat uh, as we were both there on, on Sunday looking at the two teams when they lined up. And it Rangers very very similar to what they, they have been playing recently. Uh, Megan Cunningham coming out and Jennifer going back in goal. But Glasgow City, it looked like Glasgow City maybe played to kind of nullify the threat from the, uh, from the Rangers' wings. You saw Megan Foley come into the side and... Uh, Julia Malin seemed to be setting up, dropping a lot deeper in those, those early stages, Campbell. She did. I mean, we discussed, obviously, there was sort of, it's almost like at times, they had four fullbacks in the pitch city. Um, and it worked, certainly, I think. I mean, Rogan Hay, obviously, player of the month nominee, wasn't really in the game as much as she would have liked. And then, obviously, on the other side as well, Lizzie Arnott was almost not in the game for a large spell. So it was, it certainly worked for City. And um, I was, obviously, Julia came off injured, but it, the system seemed to work and it was one of these tweaks that, that worked very well for Scott Booth and he'll be pleased with that. Obviously, we've seen a lot of different players playing for City um, in the last few weeks so to, to have more players that maybe wouldn't have started in their natural position but to have it the way it did, it worked out and it was, it was definitely a positive for City. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they did. It definitely seemed like they set up to kind of contain contain the Rangers' wings but it was Glasgow City who took the lead. Um, I think the clock talked Timed it at 71 seconds. That there was a bit of debate about it in the, in the stand, but 71 seconds is what's been going for. Um, by myself from Chantel Swabby, um, a clearance fell straight to the feet of Hayley Lauder, who found Chinchia, who had the freedom of Mogai. I'm glad to see you did put that in the match report after we talked after we talked about it. Um, she had a swing and a miss at the first attempt, but then the second finish was really good in off the post. Um, 1-0 Glasgow City inside a minute and, and as I say, a minute and 15 seconds. That's the kind of start that if you're going into this big game, if you're City or Rangers, you want to get that early goal and getting that goal for City. I think really set the tone for that first kind of half an hour. Yeah, I mean, at the time, we couldn't say maybe open the game up, but as you say now, it, it just set City up for, for the performance. In the first half, they were quite clearly the better team. and <laughs> The goal's a bit of a mess, obviously. Chantel Swaby's clearance was, was disappointing. And then the fact Priscilla Chinchia's had time to have a shot and a miss and then another shot that's, that's got the tight to pick a spot with poor defending for Rangers but a big goal for City and it certainly did set the tone for them because they were they were in control for the majority really of that of that first half and getting the second goal as well for half time obviously helped them but 
an early goal makes such a difference. Malky Thompson, we're seeing as much afterwards. Where if that goes to Rangers again, it's a different game. But City got it, and they were the team in control. Does he ever took that lead early doors and obviously held on to it? Yeah, and I mean, as you as you mentioned, they kind of took that lead early doors, and then they, they capitalised on it. I, I thought that Rosenzo Chia was again everywhere for Glasgow City. She is come on even in the short time period of time she's been in Scotland, Scottish football you can see she's already come on leaps and bounds but I also think a, a, a kind of nod needs to go to Audie for the to-do as well because for that um, for that Rangers defence that was a problem they had not faced before Brianna Beshop and Chantel Swayby have had a lot of praise over the last kind of few weeks for the performances they've put in but at the same time they've kind of been able to canter through these games and Fully to-do just would not stop I, I don't know if you noticed as well but her movement was non-stop, but she was also calling for the ball all the time. It was, in terms of leading the line to get get the podcast name in, it was a really, I mean, she was all, she wasn't on the pitch for the whole game, but when she was on the pitch, she, she led the line fantastically, I thought, for City. She did, and it was a point we'd, we'd pinpointed beforehand of both sides now get better defences, but maybe not been tested. Um, and Rangers were and could not cope. I mean, you usually, as I say, take the time. They're not used to coming from behind in games, and it, it seemed to really it had them rattled in the first half. Um, I mean, Odie was everywhere, chasing every ball down, I and mean, just, just the pace she's got as well. That like, clearly she was, she was overtaking everybody, so it was it's very tough to defend against. But I think the fact um, you mentioned it full time, Chantel, um, the fact she'd it was her mistake that led to the goal it seemed to knock her confidence a bit, and she looked kind of nervous for the rest of the game, and it didn't help. So if you're nervous. And you've got someone like Odie chasing you down. It's it's not the, what you're wanting as a defender. And clearly it paid off. Obviously didn't get um, a goal herself, but was involved in everything good about Glasgow City. And Rangers certainly struggled with it. And it's something they'll need to try and work on. Of course, they're not going to be playing against a player of hard quality every week. But they certainly just could not cope. And she was a nuisance all day for Glasgow City. Yeah, I mean, Rangers started to kind of get a bit of a, a foothold in the game. Sam Kerr had the chance when she was... Uh, had an opportunity to go around with Lee Alexander, but Lee Alexander smelled it. And this was something Lee did a lot during the game. I saw there was a lot of praise for Lee's game. I thought Lee was very, like very good on Sunday, but I think that she's she did the things that you need to do well as a goalkeeper. And do you know what? Actually, sometimes, and we'll probably talk about it in a wee second, that is actually quite a big thing uh, in SWPL1. Um, and then I think probably the, the kind of the one that kind of got a lot of people's attention was our our block from Lizzie Arna after Rich McLaughlin put a cross ball in really short range. I think it's actually holds it. She holds it from that range and doesn't spill it. Um, it was a really good stop, but it was it was really it didn't really feel like it was a swinging in Rangers momentum in any way. And City got a second goal. Um, bit of debate about this one. It wasn't covered on on Sports Scene. I think we will have a wee chat about Sports Scene this week because it was a bit wild. <laughs> um, but uh, I think in terms of um, in terms of the second goal, uh, a ball over the top to Priscilla, and she it, looks, it takes a deflection. We. We were in actually a really good spot to see whether it was onside or offside where we were sitting uh, at the RTC. Um, flag didn't go up for it, and she kind of went to kind of half chip it, half shot over Jenna Fife, who'd come quite a way, quite a way, but quite a way out. Um, she got her hand on it, but she she was far too far out for what she was trying to do. She was trying to tip it over the bar, but I don't know if maybe she'd lost lost her geographical location on the pitch or what had happened, but. She got, a, she got a good hand on it, but went into the back of the net. 2-0 Glasgow City. Not an, another goal that Rangers will probably look at and go, we shouldn't really be conceding that. But before we talk about that, what was what was your take on the offside? I, mean, I said to you at the time it was offside and you instantly disagreed with me, but it's, it's not one that I'm going to pick at the linesman for because even trying to pause it on Alba to get the highlights, I mean, the, 
it was extremely tight. It's one of these ones that with VAR, I think it's offside, but we don't have it here, of course. Um, so there was no real complaint with him giving the goal from that point of view. I think he said the deflection plays are onside. It doesn't. That's not quite the rules yet. Um, so that's disappointing in itself. But probably was offside, but let's say it's that close. You're, you're going to give Priscilla the benefit of the doubt there. And then it's a good strike. Jenna Fife. It's as if she's trying to make a save for the cameras there, and in the end, it's just kind of looked a bit daft. And it's it's a goal you don't want to be conceding, especially to, to kind of kill it off, as you'd said. They weren't really in the game, Rangers. They had that chance where Flizzy Annett scores, different game, she doesn't, and then to give away a goal as soft as they did, even from the tackle in the midfield. It's just too easy for City. And then it's a disappointing goal to give away when it puts you 2 0 down in a game. You don't look like doing much. It's, it's a, real, a real long way back, and that's the way it proved, despite, and we get the second half where Rangers looked a bit more in control in terms of having the ball they still did next to nothing to really challenge the Alexander so it was a disappointing performance for them all round but City will be glad and maybe that wee bit of luck is what you're needing at times Yeah I mean I instantly disagreed with you just for the sake of the, the conversation and the stand <laughs> let's be honest but um, no I think we both said it was like a VAR goal you could imagine the lanes coming up in the armpits and things like that being talked about uh, but as you say Cinchilla took her, took her chance and I don't think it was a, I don't think it was necessarily a save for the cameras from Jenna. I, I think she just got, got the decision wrong about what she should have done. Instead of trying to tip it over, she should have been pushing it to her side. Um and she didn't do that. And because of that, the ball's been able to drop underneath the crossbar. Put Glasgow City 2 0 up. And if I if I'm being totally honest, you mentioned obviously the Julia Malin incident where there was a head knock with her and Brogan Hay, and Julia Malin went off kind of straight away. And it looks like Brogan actually continued for a bit and then went off, maybe a bit of residual. I don't, I don't know what happened with that. But I got to half time to know Glasgow City, and if I'm being honest, Campbell, it didn't feel like that was a result that was going to change in the next 45 minutes. No, City didn't really do anything in the second half, but as we said at the time, didn't have to. Rangers were just, they just lacked that creativity. It didn't look like doing anything. There wasn't really any point, but they, they looked really like scoring. Lee Alexander's got a lot of praise for, for coming out and clearing things beforehand and what have you, but other than the Lizzie that one, she didn't really have a save to make as such. The save she did make in the second half was offside. So, I mean, it ended up being pretty pointless and Rangers were clearly, obviously, the second best and in the end city were the deserved winners of it. But, like you say, it was a game that never really looked like changing from the minute that second goal went in. Yeah, I mean, Rangers had a, a cross, I think it was Rachel McLaughlin, I'll be corrected on that, I'm sure if I'm wrong, uh, that hit the crossbar and then almost moments later at the other end, there was a crossball that um, hit the post. Oh, no, it was the other way around. There was two cross. Yeah, there we go. Posting two- top of the bar or top. Basically, there was two crosses that hit the woodwork, one for each team. Um, and uh, yeah, but yeah, I think you're right with Rangers. I mean, it, at one point they had to they switch the Lizzie Arnott and Brogan Hayes wings. Uh, we noticed that in the second half zone, maybe try a different tact, but it did become a little bit. It felt a little bit to me like there was a bit of a kind of if we get the ball to ball to Brogan, maybe she'll get something. She'll do something for us. Um, and there was a wee bit of play, I think, right in front of us where we were like, that's why she's been nominated for player Morton. That's why she's been so good. But she was trying to do it against four defenders who, two midfielders, two defenders who could snuff that out eventually after she kind of danced the way around them for a wee bit. But I think the big thing for me is, as you say, is Rangers never really took took the game by the scruff of the neck. They, they had a lot of the ball, but in terms of clear chances, I think Sam Kerr had a like clean through and goal, but again, snuffed out by Lee Alexander. And then when you kind of looked at what Rangers could bring off the bench, they, they were lacking that kind of game-changing attacking influence at the moment, whereas 
Glasgow City, 70 minutes in, they took off the they took off Chinchia, and then they brought in Aoife Colville, they brought in Claire Shine, they were able to bring in more experience with Leanne Crichton coming on as well. You just, I think you just saw in that game a, a microcosm of like how important having a squad is because Glasgow City were able to manage that game out and they managed it out really well by managing the players they had in the park and then how they actually approached the rest of the game, I thought. They did, I mean, you go back to the 5-0 game and City squad for then, it's totally different. And the players they've got in, they've got quality to start, they've got quality off the bench. And like you see, every single player that come on played a part in it. And, I mean, Rangers have got a very good start in 11, as you pointed out yourself, where there's the squad maybe slightly less so than City. So when City were able to bring on these players against maybe Rangers with are tiring a wee bit, as you see, it helped and they didn't have to do much again, but they did their jobs effectively. And in the end, it was... Just really a comfortable second half, I think, for Glasgow City um, in terms of the, in terms of the way they played on to, to get the three points. Like you say, they just they managed the game well without really having to do much. I mean, it's for, for Rangers. It's a bit of a worry if we talk about the result as a whole because I think now that that five 0 win over Glasgow City in December is an outlier in these big games because they've obviously they lost to Glasgow City. They've lost to Celtic twice. Both times with goals, particularly in the in the game at Celtic Park, it appears that the feeling was that that's against the run of play. But both times, one 0 defeats. That's four big games they've played. They've won one of them, but the one they won, they played against a considerably weaker Glasgow City. I I, I think that's a point of concern if if you're Rangers because there are players there that have gone over the course in, in Scotland, but there are also still a, a lot of the players in that squad that haven't and. If, if you're Rangers, you have set yourself out to win win the league. That's what you've set yourself out to do, and it, it, it's not going to happen. I, I don't see I don't see it happening now. To be perfectly honest with you, and it's now a bit of a race for that Champions League spot. And yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how the kind of running goes because we know that these point, teams can take points off each other, but Rangers haven't haven't really done it. I don't think yet in, in these big games. We haven't. Um... But then you look at Celtic, who have they've beaten Rangers without being great, but they've, they've shown that mentality to win. I think Rangers' mentality is maybe slightly less, not as strong perhaps, sorry, as the other two. Um, but then Celtic against Glasgow City have been disappointing when they've played them. So it's a big game for them in midweek of Celtic are in, are in great form themselves. No, I want to continue that, but I mean Rangers will look at Hearts. I think they've got midweek where they'll know they can say, look, it's a game we should win. And then again, one of the other two is going to drop points. Maybe it keeps them out of the running. Of course, if City win in midweek, the league will be gone. But it gives the Rangers that incentive to, to get back ahead of Celtic again. So it's a bit disappointing from their point of view, certainly, that the big games are the ones that have not come through with anything from them. But um, but there's, there's still plenty to play for from them. They'll say themselves that the title's within reach. Probably isn't, especially if City win in midweek, I see. But... There's, there's still a lot to play for for Rangers this season and I'm sure second will still be well win and will win their reach. Yeah, absolutely. And after the game, um, we spoke to Scott Booth and this is what he had to say about the game. Played great today, both defensively, um, in possession, off the ball and then taking chances and you can't ask any more from him. Tough game in terms of the tackling as well there, but City put up a really good fight. How pleasing is that from your point of view? We talked a lot about... Um, having to be aggressive and um, it was uh, you know something that I think in a game that's really going to be quite close you have to be able to, to match your opponents and, and 
you know, have have your game plan, have the quality of football players that you've got, but also have that aggression and that desire to, to win. You mentioned obviously Priscilla getting two goals there. How good is it as well that all these players are really settling in? You're generally really as a side and they're showing that they're city class. They're working hard. I mean, today Ori, um, you know, pre, you see the commitment from, from Julia, you see commitment from Arna. Um, all these players, they, they, they've come in and they, they've gelled really well with, with our, our group and as a, as a squad, um, I think today it showed, we used pretty much all the squad again and they've um, they've done the job. Obviously, it's still a long way to go yet, we've extended yep. that lead there at the minute. How is it a case now just of stay on your game almost and keep that going right to the end of the season? I just said to the players at the end there that it's a, it's a big step but it's no more than that. We need to, you know, we've got a lot of games coming up in a short space of time and starting with Celtic that'll be tough so yeah we need that same level of um, commitment and desire and, and aggression and quality uh, on Wednesday to get the points. Quick turnaround there but your squad this season especially is really 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 strong you didn't make too many changes do you feel? I don't know yet I need to assess how those came through it um, we've got one or two um, niggles also in the background and we've got one or two that we're hoping might be back in time so I'll assess it over the next 48 hours. So, I mean, Campbell, you, you mentioned it there. Uh, Glasgow City are now five points clear of Celtic, six points clear of Rangers. Uh, a couple of people had mentioned that they thought that the league was done already. I don't think that's the case because I think you've got this huge game on Wednesday night that that could change everything completely. But uh, for me, Glasgow City win that game on Wednesday, I think the league's done. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was winning a days there. Um, yeah, no, Celtic... <laughs> I fancy City to, be, to win that game. Um, the the mentality they've got, obviously, the, the wins have picked up. They've taken great confidence for that win yesterday. And then, obviously, Celtic six unbeaten. It's not easy for them, but City have, have shown this season that they can beat Celtic. They've, and they're, they're favourites for it, of course, they are. So they'll know themselves. Again, Scott Booth was quite coy about it yesterday, saying there's still a lot to play for. But I think he knows a win in midweek will go a long way to well, not securing the title yet, but certainly putting City on the right path to, to be the side that's likely going to make it another title. Yeah, just, just to put it into context, and then we're going to talk about the Celtic game and then we'll do a bit more of a preview on that game. Uh, if Glasgow City win on Wednesday night, days already, um, that'll, that'll put them eight points clear of uh, Celtic and assuming Rangers beat Hearts, that'll put them six point clear, keep them six points ahead of, of Rangers. And there's only Rangers versus Glasgow City in terms of those three playing each other left to play. So you're then looking at Glasgow City having to drop points against maybe Spartans or Hibs or Spartans or Hibs. I think realistically, looking at the way the kind of league's been planning out over the season, I just and I just don't see how don't see that happening. And it's not even a case of dropping points; they'd have to get beat. And I'm not, I'm not sure I see it. No, I mean it's, it's been the same for a number of years with City and. They've been the best team, clearly. Hibs have been their closer challengers, but other than the one season, there's still been a fair a fair gap in between the two. Rangers and Celtic, of course, are they're tightening that gap at the minute, but again, City have come out on top when they've played them, other than that one game in December. So they've still got that winning mentality. So that doesn't just disappear after 13 titles in a row. So, I mean, you can see why they're favourite. You can see why when it's come down to it and it's come down to the big games, the moments you have to win say of the team that have come out on top and I think a win in midweek but it will probably go on to confirm that title not officially obviously but realistically 
Yeah, and bef- uh, let's look, before we talk about midweek because I realise we're veering into that territory. Let's go back to the first game on Sunday, which was Celtic against Motherwell with the game live on BBC Sport. I am I headed down to K Park nice and early. Always fun to go to East Kilbride Theatre of Dreams and all that. Um, for, for what was um, a, a hard, a bit of a cliche, but it was a hard fought win for Celtic. Um, a three 0 victory. But the opening 20 minutes, Mother had a couple of chances. Um, good work by Laurie Gardner down the wing. And Abby Skelton was a, a toe away from thinking of putting, a, putting the ball in the net, putting one 0 up. And then I thought maybe one of the better chances was uh, some good work by Kayla McGonagall Engwa, laying it back for Jade Gallon, who I don't know, must have switched her foot with a sandwich because it went absolutely nowhere near the goal with nobody anywhere near her. And really, Motherwell were made to do those chances because Rachel Donaldson, who was playing as wing back, which was a bit different far than usual, um, would score a double and then be a Sarah Teagarden header. I mean, we'll just ball all the Celtic goals up into... Uh, well, no, we won't ball all the Celtic goals up into one, but I thought what was interesting from a, a Celtic perspective was that those first two goals came from their, their two shots on target and as good as the attacking play was from Rachel Donaldson, Motherwell, I mean, she had tons of space to kind of... First put the header away and then also kind of to get the second one in under a little bit of pressure on that second one. But she came from so deep for that second. That was a really good goal from her perspective, for sure. Yeah, it was impressive, Mother, what we started off with, to be honest, we watching that game. But um, down Celtic's right-hand side, they were getting so much space and it killed them off as the first goal. Like you said, great delivery, great header, but she stood unmarked, what, six, seven, eight yards from goal. Um, and then Sarah Teagarden's goal for the third was the same, which is literally in the six-yard box unmarked to head the ball home. I mean, Motherwell's defending was poor. They were, they were letting too many gaps in um, for Celtic to find. And um, it's a game they were in, but again, these wee bursts of goals that you seem to get in SWPL1 from some of the bigger sides came. Celtic was three in about, what, quarter an hour or something, and it killed them off. But Motherwell, again, to their credit, they fought well in the second half, and as much as Celtic were still the team on top, they did show up that defence, and they looked a lot more solid. So... 3 0 is no disgrace, certainly, especially the way Celtic lined up and the most attacking formation I've ever seen. I'm still not quite sure what it was. It was you mentioned also Rachel Donaldson, Izzy Atkinson at times as well, although they were playing sort of wing backs and but just two centre halves. It was strange. Celtic clearly, I think, went for goals, maybe didn't quite materialise. And Fran Alondra said the performance wasn't wasn't the greatest, it wasn't the best, pleased with it. But ultimately, it's a win for Celtic and it's a win that puts them up in the second. So they'll be delighted to make it six wins in a row. Yeah, I tell you what, we'll hear from uh, Stuart Hall, Motherwell head coach, and Rachel Donaldson just now because they both touched on a couple of things you've just mentioned. So this is what they had to say. Wasn't to get the three points, but uh, we were glad that we said we're a bit disappointed because of the performance. We were doing a lot better, and I think the game probably as a spectator was a bit stuffy. Um, had a wee bit of edge to it at least, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't exactly the, the best advert for the women's game today. I don't think, but three points, a couple of goals, we're, we're definitely happy to, to keep a bit of momentum going. Yeah, it seemed like quite a slow start for yourselves today. Motherwell kind of really came out. You had a, had a couple of chances of their own, um, but then obviously you kind of sneaked in at that back post to get the opener. Can you talk us through that first goal? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I knew that playing fullback was going to be something very different for me. Um, I've never actually done it before for, for Celtic, so I knew it was going to be tough, and I think sometimes it, it did show my, my lack of experience there, but I'm happy to, to dig the girls out and put in a shift whenever, whenever they want me, but I knew in myself that I wanted to get forward and I wanted to be really aggressive. So I've just ran down the middle, nobody's tracked my run and, and two, two in at the back post. And then your second 
second goal, you started that move, winning the ball in, the, in your own half, and then obviously getting the ball off to, to Sarah. You didn't even realise No, I didn't that. even know. No, I didn't even realise either. But yeah, you started that move, uh, winning the ball in your own half, and then obviously, as you say, setting off towards the goal, as, as your instinct uh, tells you to. Oh. But um, you obviously don't remember that. No, but I don't. I'm pretty happy I've won it. I, I knew that um, I didn't want it to get beaten too easily, and I think there was a couple of times that I, I'm disappointed, but I'll watch back and, and we'll work on them in the analysis, and if, it, if it's maybe a longer-term thing, I'll, I'll, it's definitely something I'll work on, but I'm pleased that I've set it off and as soon as I win it I'm looking to go forward and I'm looking to be aggressive so I'm glad, glad it's paid off <laughs> And looking ahead to the game midweek obviously Glasgow City we won't talk about the game that's coming this afternoon because we don't know what's happening we can only focus on you um, what, are you what are you looking for on Wednesday night? Uh, a bit of redemption probably we were disappointed in ourselves in our performance last time we knew that we were better than that and I think we showed in our, in our performances since then with the momentum we've got that we are, we are actually a better team so we're looking to go out there and really, really make it difficult for them to, to walk away with a win and we're looking to stay in their coattails and, and the table as well. 3-0 defeat today, Stuart, can I get your thoughts on the game first of all? Um, gutted, frustrated, disappointed. I don't think 3-0 is a fair reflection on the game. Uh, don't get me wrong, Celtic took their three chances as well. But I thought the 50 minutes before that we were a better team on the front foot and had three golden opportunities ourselves, which we take one of them, I think it's a different story, but end of the day, um, they've scored it, we've no, and we've not got any points today. I was going to say that you had, especially that chance earlier on for I think it was Abby Skelton yeah. after Laurie Gordon was trying to attack, going in, one nil up, and it gives you a different kind of platform to work on. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the way we end up playing the second half, a bit more disciplined, a bit more shape, asking to break us down. We then, we then, we then can change our tactics up to, to do that, um, and we frustrated them when we went to that shape as well. Um, unfortunately, we gave up, probably creating more chances, but. It is, and Abby Skelton's a young girl, and, and uh, she had a wee bit more uh, determination to get to the back post. She's, it's a simple tapping. Um, even the ones after that, Jade Gallons had one at the edge of the box, and Lauren Gallons had her head on the, the six-yard box. Um, take out any one of those ones, it's a different story. So, aye, gutted, but it's football. Um, so like these kind of games, it's, it's a kind of different challenge for you than when you play the teams around the boat in the league. So obviously, you kind of you get to change that again midweek. How, how do you kind of switch preparations in that respect? Uh, to be fair, once we've done the analysis on Celtic, um, we actually believe there's, there's not much between the end and the league. It's just it's just the application on the day. Um, obviously, Celtic training uh, time and every day has a big, huge advantage. But you can see the day when we had a game plan out of just that one percent to put the ball in the back, and it's a difference. You know, we're going to go away and do the exact same and analyse for a quicker turnaround. Obviously, because games on Wednesday, so we just have to make sure we do those right things. We stick to the game plan and we hope for that one percent. Uh, better performance on the day. Yeah, uh, let's. I want to talk about Rachel Donaldson's second goal because, as you would have just heard, she didn't even realise she started that move, um, winning the ball inside her own half, and then um, kind of leading the counter from there. As you say, great ball, and again back post. But um, I thought that she had a really good game, and you're right, it was a very attack-minded Celtic team that maybe didn't come to fruition. And as Stuart mentioned in, in the post-match. Motherwell did shoot it up, and what that meant was that they lost a bit of their attacking impetus. You did see, I thought in the first half, Laurie Gardner caused Celtic a lot of problems. Um, but at the same time, because she had to be restrained in that second period, Motherwell just kind of plodded. And the game, I mean, the second half was not entertaining. It just existed in a bubble of 45 minutes of football. Um, but it was a big three points for Celtic. We do, however, have to talk about something that was not another thing that wasn't talked about in sports scene on, on Sunday night, which was very much the talk of SWPL Twitter um, on, on Sunday afternoon, and that was Sarah T. Garden's tackle on Kayla McDonald-Dengua. At the time, 
Um, obviously, at K-Park just now because of the situation we're all living in, the, the main stand at K-Park is where the teams are situated and media go in the, the, goal, the, the bit behind the goal, which has got a net in front of it and pulls. It's not, it's not the best view in the world. And at the time, I didn't really register what had happened. And then it was uh, a couple of the other players were coming off at halftime and they, they seemed really angry. And I, obviously, the internet means you can go and have a wee look at these things. And yeah, it, did, it, it wasn't good. It was... Um, it was and it was strange that it got it seemed to be noticed and only got a yellow card. I, it was over the to, over the top of the knee, studs up. It was a red card, Campbell, and I think Sarah Teague are very lucky that she didn't get a red card for that one. I don't know what was going through her head. I mean, can I watch it? It's not when you see the replay, you can realise what she'd done. It was just stupid. I mean, Izzy Atkinson's trying to defend um, Kayla McDonald and go as she says, and she's kind of. She's going backwards, she's on the half, which is not going anywhere, like anything dangerous. And then, as you said, Sarah T. Garden comes in and just studs into the thigh. I mean, I don't know what the hell she was thinking about. It was just stupid. And um, the fact she then turns and tries to protest her innocence to the referee, but then showing this exact stomping motion she's just done, and then try to claim that's not, but you're like, literally just showing why she'd have sent you off. It's as it's clear a card as you're going to see all day. It was it was just a ridiculous decision, and then for for sports, they not even to cover it either. We should have a rant about them later on, but that was just stupid as well. You've got to cover that. It's the biggest talking point of that game. They've left it out to do God knows what else. But Sarah T. Gunn was very very lucky, and it's it's a three 0 as well. Why? There's there was no need for it, and maybe at three 0 Celtic would probably still have held on, but it could have changed the game, and it's. It should have been a red card. It was, it was just daft, really. No need for that at all. No, and I mean, even to play devil's advocate, even if the, the argument is that she was going for the ball and she missed the ball and, she, and that's what's happened, it's still reckless. It's still to have your boot up in that area and to have it land in that. It's reckless and dangerous playing. My, my, my issue with it not being on the sports scene on Sunday night is not about hanging Sarah Teagarden out to dry or to have hundreds of people piling in. Or That's not the point. It was a, a key discussion point from the day in the SWPL. Lots of people talked about it. Lots of people had an opinion on it. Lots of people were thought that it was harsh. Lots of people thought it should have been a red card. The fact that it hasn't even been talked about does a disservice to the game because you cannot just always think it's sunshine and light. Because if you think it's always sunshine and light, and well, God, there's something else that happened yesterday that needed to talk about and wasn't. If you think it's always sunshine and light, you're never going to get people buying into it because everybody's going to think that you're just hiding the rubbish because you want to make everything brilliant. And we want to talk up the game. This is why we have this podcast. This is why we knock our pans in doing it for <laughs> no return. Um, but yeah, I think for me, you have to talk about the big incidents because if you don't talk about the big incidents, when something really big happens, nobody will take anything notice to it. I thought it was a really strange decision not to cover that. And as we were talking about earlier in the Priscilla Chinchilla goal as well. It was it's something that was talked about for a good 10-15 minutes after the goal uh, when we were all sitting in the stand uh, kind of covering the game on, on Sunday as well. I thought very very odd couple of decisions in that regard. But for Celtic, it was a 3-0 win. It does, you said, that's six wins on the bounce and had a really good run of form and it takes us into the game on Wednesday night. Celtic against Glasgow City at K Park. Win for Celtic, puts them two points behind and all of a sudden we, it's a new, a new side in the title race, especially if, if Glasgow Rangers, dearie me, if Rangers uh, beat Hearts, which you'd expect them to do, it puts all three teams within three points again. Uh, but I win for Glasgow City, as we've already alluded to, it's probably title race over. If you're Fran Alonso, how, how do you go about trying to beat Celtic, you know, in that so far this season, you haven't really been able to? And I thought 
particularly in that first game after the, the recommencement. Glasgow City blew Celtic away a little bit. I'm trying to launch. I don't go about trying to beat Celtic, given I'm Celtic manager. Um, you go about trying to beat City by think just doing what you've been doing. I don't think you, you don't go out gung ho. Of course you don't, but I wouldn't change too much of what Celtic have been doing. You know, definitely don't play the formation they played on Sunday. But in previous games they've played there, they've, they've set up really well. They've Jody Barrett's coming back now. Their defence has looked very solid, and then going forward they've, they've scored some cracking goals. Their midfield is arguably the best in the league when they're on form. So. They've definitely got the players there to go and beat um, Glasgow City. They've shown they've done it before that night that never was. And then it's just that case of sticking to your jobs, even like they've done against Rangers, where they've maybe not been great, but they've not been the greatest to watch there, but they've been effective. They've, they've done their jobs. They've, they've stopped Rangers in um, their, their strongest areas. Do the same with Glasgow City. Obviously, it's easier said than done. Of course it is, but Celtic's defence, let's say, they've looked better. And look at what Rangers did on Sunday and then do the opposite of that when it comes to defending. Um, and then they'll, they'll have a chance, of course they will. But I just think the way it's been going for City, I, I just fancy them to be too strong. Hopefully I'm wrong. I would like to see the title race continue to go on. Of course you would, but I just have a feeling Celtic's good run might be coming to an end um, on Wednesday night. How many uh, how many changes do you think Glasgow City will make? Because obviously the, he, Scott Booth has, we've talked about City's squad, he's rotated it quite a lot. Um, he's really well in obviously went off injured and then by the end of the game she had the big bandage on and looked like Mr Bump from, uh, from Mr Men. That doesn't really work as an analogy, but there you go. Um, do you expect to see a similar squad that plays at Rangers? Did we see Scott Booth's first choice 11 against Rangers, actually? Is that going to be the team that plays against Celtic or are we going to see more rotation again on, on Wednesday night? Um, I think there's a few players that were, that were out injured that would certainly be near them. Even the likes of Megan Foley's in it away and I don't think they... Uh perhaps starters, especially not in the, in the position they played. Celtic are less threatening in the wide areas than Rangers are, so you probably don't need to line up the same way in terms of that. But I Scott with the question on Sunday and he said to himself, he's not really sure at the minute with knocks and things, whether players will be back, whether others will be fit um, from then. So it will be interesting to see. I don't think we will make too many changes, but you would imagine there'll be a couple of alterations here and there. I mean, City are obviously they're going away and they'll, they'll give Celtic all the respect they deserve as well, but Scott Booth's experience, they know himself where Celtic are weak and what areas he can exploit. And I fancy City to have a similar side, maybe a few changes, as I say, but I think it'll be a similar team you saw at Rangers and probably a similar performance. One, one other thing I want to talk about in a couple of recent weeks um, has been game intensity. I've noticed that there's definitely been a bit more niggle, a bit, it's been, I felt, a you can feel there's a little bit more tension in the air in some of these games. I noticed it in both games that I was at on Sunday. Um, and I noticed it in the previous week with Glasgow City and Spartans. It's it's kind of nice to get that kind of vibe from. I mean, obviously, there's points where it goes too far, as we've discussed with the Sierra T Garden tackle. But in terms of like that that level of intensity, it does feel like it has turned up a wee bit at the moment now, which is what you kind of want when you're starting to get to this point in the season. It has. I mean, we picked a couple of tackles on Sunday early doors and it's just at the stage of some of the players are they're quick, they've got the quick feet and they know how to beat a player and folk get frustrated, especially when you're getting beat 2-0 at home, which says Rangers have not been used to it. So when Rangers are suddenly playing there, they've got a few players out injured. Um, they're suddenly a couple of goals down, sorry. Then it's a case of, is that frustration that they're not used to and then not saying they've gone out to hurt folk, but you definitely see a few more knocks in. There was, there was certainly a lot of injuries and tackles and things on Sunday. Um, but Scott Booth said he was happy with his players for that, that they were showing that fight and 
Um, it's we don't want players to be getting out and hurting each other. Of course you don't, but it, it certainly makes it feel more real, and it feels like there's there's something there's more on the line. Um, for these sides when they go out there, and it's good that, that it shows that they're they're up for it. And they've got that aggression to go in and really get stuck into the, into the game, and especially when they see the importance of it that a win when it's almost guaranteeing you the title, it's, it's certainly something you're going to be prepared to put your body on the line for. And I think so. It will be the same again. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm going to try and get along to it. I've got a couple of work things that I plan to get wrapped up in time so I can. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's another big game coming, which is what we're here for, more big games. But there was also other games in the SWPL one this weekend, and there's plenty to talk about those as well. Um, let's go Yangus first of all, for for Farmington against Hibs. 5-0 win for Hibs. Hibs have definitely got into the, the groove of beating the teams at the bottom end of the table quite handily, I think it's fair to say. And I think their game against Spartans midweek is going to be a, a real interesting one for Hibs. 5-0 win, Carla Boyce, uh, a collect having a double, and a goal from Joel Murray. And then a goal that was given to Dean McCafferty, then Hibs gave it to Amy Muir. I look like another direct from corner win, so we'll just go with what Hibs said at the end, which was Amy Muir. But um, a comfortable win for Hibs and for Forfar, yeah, it's, a, it's another disappointing defeat for them. It is. Forfar have had a really tough few weeks on and off the park, and it doesn't help when you're playing Rangers City, Celtic and Hibs back-to-back. Obviously, the one game with Forfar is with uh, yeah, Spartans and midweek losing that one tightly is kind of, that would have knocked you that bit more than they go and lose eight and five. Um, so it's been tough for them. I think this season's kind of petering out as in they've won one or two more wins against the side below them just to sort of confirm that they're not going to be in the bottom two. But otherwise, it's been it's been disappointing for them. Um, in terms of Hibs, though, they've certainly improved from, from what we've seen. Um, again, they had some tough fixtures. I think Dean Gibson has just been disappointed with, with the way things have panned out in those games, of course, with the results and what have you. But... It was good to see more of the Hibs that we've been used to seeing over the last few years and I think they probably hit the wood a lot more times than they actually scored on Sunday from what I've seen and been told and things like that. So they're creating more chances and they're now scoring them and rather than Amy Gallagher getting them all as well, they've been spread around pretty well over the weekend. So there'll be lots to please Hibs and Dean Gibson there and like you say, it's a, a big, big game in midweek for, for their um, ambitions of finishing four. Yeah, it feels like the Station Park Goalposts have got like some kind of voodoo spell on them because if you remember Glasgow City seemed to hit, hit them about 20 times when they, they, they went up there a few weeks ago. But yeah, I think for far for it is um, obviously London Pollard made a, came on for Celtic actually the weekend to make her debut. Had a really good chance in the injury time that she really should have at least got on target. But um, that's, a, that's another loss for far for in terms of their their squad and it's obviously been a squad that's has I think probably gone through the most change of any squad in SWPL in terms of players coming in, going out, coming in. And yeah, it does feel a little bit like Forfar are getting to the, getting through to the end of the season having a reassess point. But for Hibs, um, it keeps me within touch and distance of Spartans, and that's because Spartans won three 0 against Hearts in one of the many Edinburgh derbies that can take place in that wee quadrant between Orion and, and Ainsley Park. Um, good goal from Rona Douglas to put Spartans in the lead, and then a cat smart effort, and then, then we had. I'm trying to think how the best way to describe this. It was, it was. A goal with lots happening, but I don't think any of it, maybe apart from the the the, the pure way that Michaela McAloney hit the ball, was particularly great. So, um, Spartans still up at a point. Charlotte Parker-Smith comes out, um, brings in, it was Becky Galbraith, wasn't it? Yeah. Again. <laughs> Again, yeah. Uh, brings in Becky Galbraith in the edge area. Uh, first of all, Campbell, for you, was it a red card for, for Charlotte Parker-Smith? Um, Probably, it was... 
she should have come out a lot earlier than she was and then stopped and just and in the end it was her own fault. Um wasn't quite as bad as Erin Clackers last week, but still stored for Becky Gilbraith. And it was just just the fact she's come out of the box and caught it as a red card, that's what they're all saying now. And it's disappointing for her, of course it was, but it was the right decision. Um then the rest of the goal was just yeah, should we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you've nailed it there. It wasn't as bad as Aaron, Aaron Clacker's one um, from last week, but I think it's still a red card because of where it happened and how the challenge they created. So obviously, um, Hearts had made all their subs. So for the second week in a row, we had an outfielder in goal. Um, so that was that was fun. We're like they're always fun, but um, Hearts didn't have a didn't have a goalkeeper strip. So Leah Tweedy, who took took the took the gloves, um, had came on the part with a training bib and. Uh, I first saw this. This is brought brought to our attention um, from a picture that we've seen online, and my first reaction was, "What the is this?" Because could you um, <laughs> that we know that in Esther, sometimes in women's football in Scotland, we things happen that are a little bit like. Thankfully, nobody's going to see that. Unfortunately, we now have this really cool sports scene program that shows half an hour of highlights every Sunday. Which means that everything in SWPL one will be captured in, for posterity, and I don't know about you, Campbell, but the image of a player who is playing in a league that has been given professional status coming onto the park in a training bib is not the one for me. But what what were your thoughts on it? That's the big thing: the the talk of professionalisation of the game. Um, it's not Leah Tweedy's fault. It's not Hart's fault. You're not expecting his keeper to get sent off, but it, it does look stupid when someone's coming on with a bib and. You can see why she's not a goalkeeper again. You're not gonna you're not gonna blame her for for um for not saving it. But the whole thing was just it was just a bit of a mess, wasn't it? I mean you're you're wanting at least you're wanting that aspect of right we're we're on TV now, let's go and show what we're about and then you've then got someone on playing on the park wearing a bib rather than an actual strip. And again, obviously they've not got one, but Surely there's a better alternative and it just looked a bit daft in the end and then you get to sports scene and um, Julie Fleet and then didn't even know Leah Tweedy's name, which in itself was just more pathetic as well, really. It, was, it wasn't great, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't good to look at and hopefully it's not something we see again. Yeah, I mean, I know you said it's not Hartsey's fault and I don't think it's a Hearts women's side's fault that we both know that they, they whenever we're... Whenever I threw it around, they obviously helped out with the podcast before, for the summer. But I do find it jarring that when clubs big up their women's teams when they are having success, and yet when times are tough, you can see that they let things go. Because I guarantee, if that had been the Hearts team that had been challenging for the SWPL two title last season, that wouldn't have happened. That that's that's my instinct on it. I might be wrong. Do you know what? I could be proven wrong, and that that's not the case. But I thought it was. A, I didn't think it was a good look um, for the game, as you say. You can't you can't blame Leah Tweedy for the goal. She's not a goalkeeper. She she was the one that took up and anybody who steps up to go and goal or gets told to go and goal and does it, absolute fair play. But it wasn't a great look. And um yeah, it just just annoyed me a little bit. Um and it's just just like another it's like another wee check mark that you go, we're going so far, and then it's just like this another bump that I feel like shouldn't be happening um, in that respect. But for Spartans, comfortable three 0 win. I feel like we're glazing over that a little bit. Uh, the Rona Douglas goal was was a good goal. I don't think it was the world beater that it sometimes gets built of in the in the summary that is done. But uh, I thought it was a good goal. And I mean Spartans, another good result for them. 
And really, that Spartans, Spartans against Hibs game that's going to be this weekend and not this weekend, this midweek um, should be pretty good because two sides coming into on, on a bit of form. Obviously, Spartans have been uh, lost to Glasgow City last week, but they've been playing pretty well and even in that defeat. So it should be a pretty good game at Ainsley Park. Should be Hibs have, have turned it around them um, and are now looking a lot better. Spartans are clearly better than the sides below them. Um, very far down below them, sorry. And then Hibs, they've also the better of them as well this season. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a game that really should um, should be very in, in exciting. Very exciting, sorry. Him in midweek and it's like at the top end, this could be one that determines who does get that fourth place because neither side have looked great against the sides above them, but have looked great against the sides below them. So it's a really intriguing game and one that I'm sort of disappointed it's not on TV, but again, Celtic City is obviously such a big game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, is, it is definitely a big game of the week. But yeah, I think it will go a long way to kind of determining who obviously finishes in that fourth spot as well. Because if you look at the, how the results have gone so far this season, it is very much a case of this game will probably decide um, when you look at the results head to head and some of the results against the teams up and down up and down the league as well. And how the the diagrams are. I'm using hand movements on a podcast. Fantastic work, well done. But um, the divergences happen between the top and the bottom of the table, um, for sure. Um, obviously, the other game uh, midweek is Motherwell against Forfar. I think we probably touched on that already. Motherwell will be looking. I mean, the one thing I will say about Motherwell on on Sunday is at no point did they go this 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 looked like a team. I, I didn't I didn't have that kind of. Oh, this isn't very good. I thought Motherwell played well and looked. You could see everything that Motherwell were trying to do. If that makes sense, like. I've not seen Motherwell and gone, nah, this isn't them. And they've also helped having having a Lord McGregor back and go in terms of having that bit more experience in, in between the sticks. But I think that that's, that could be like a low-key entertaining game uh, if some if you get a chance to watch it. They have been um, this season, obviously, a few a couple, a month or so ago back um, down in Airdrie, where Forfar obviously won that one. Pretty high-scoring game. and It's a third home game for them. It's a long trip for Motherwell um, up to Station Park, of course it is, but Forfar... Having lost the last couple of home games pretty heavily, they'll be wanting to to get something um, at home and kind of make it a happy place for them to be. And I fancy that will be an entertaining game against two sides that have nothing to lose. So why not go for it? Hopefully they do. And hopefully we get another game that's plenty of goals, but just a shame it won't be seeing them on sports scene. Yeah, I, unfortunately there is no midweek highlights still for the, the midweek fixtures, which is a shame because obviously there was a, a midweek set um, prior to when the league was extended and there's going to be a lot coming up um, in the next few weeks, especially especially if Celtic do win on Wednesday night to not have what is essentially half the remaining fixtures not covered is not ideal, so hopefully something's in the works to get that, that out because I think that's what everybody wants to see and I think probably part of the reason as well why our podcast later in the week will very much depend on what um, what is available for us to view uh, but yeah, uh, Midweek action, SWPL1, as I said, I'm planning on going, going out to a game. I, I might not be able to do it the following week, so I'm getting in while I can. Uh, but I think the one thing that we haven't talked about on the podcast, I think in a, in a wee bit of detail, Campbell, that we probably should, is SWPL2, the fixture announcements. Um, the games will be back on the 6th of June. So it is the same weekend as the last weekend in SWPL1, but that's just a consequence of having to try and get eight fixtures in in the space of like a four or five week period. But it's good to have SWPL2 back. Um, I know that a lot of people have been champing at the bit for it. I think there has been a lot of fair conversation about why it hasn't been back and why some of the leagues have and some of the leagues haven't. But 
for us, I mean, it's another month's worth of podcasts. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the SWPL2, I mean, the title, it feels like Aberdeen are probably too far away now in terms of number of games that are left. But then we don't know how these teams are going to come back. But there's that second promotion spot and the fact that we will get promotion to SWPL1 this season, that means that that's going to be a really, should be a really exciting month in SWPL2 as well to kind of round out our footballing year that seems to have gone on for about 17. <laughs> it should be... Um... So the fair, obviously, I mean, Aberdeen, what, seven points clear? They've only lost one game very heavily at Patrick Thistle, but otherwise have been on top and been the best side, clearly, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be fair on them if they didn't yeah, get that chance to come up. And then, obviously, you've then got the three behind, or what, one point between Dundee United, Hamilton, um, and Patrick Thistle, and then St Johnston as well. They're only four points off, so there's still a chance. So you're looking there, about half the teams in the league still having something to play for certainly makes it very interesting for us, and... I think whoever comes up will make it another interesting season in SWPL1 as well next year where perhaps the top three begin to move away that wee bit. But rather than just having two sides battling out at the bottom of SWPL1, you could then have more. And if they can then go up and try and push themselves further to get to the level of the sides like Spartans, then we'll have another exciting year to come next season. So there's there's lots to be positive about um, in both tiers and then obviously below as well um, in Scottish women's football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that's missing at the bottom of the SWPL1 just now is a bit of jeopardy because, as we've talked about before, it makes it quite hard to kind of focus on those games when there's not really that much on the line. Um, but with the two teams coming up and with the automatic relegation and the playoff that will come with that as well, it does make it does potentially make it very exciting for kind of the, the, come, the season to come. The other thing that I was thinking about the other day, Campbell, is that we have had some... As, as it stands in the global situation that we are in, Scotland is due to move to level two on the 17th of May. Now, with level two on the 17th of May, it means that 250 people on terracing and 500 people in seated, seated arenas can, in theory, go to sporting events. So I'm going to ask you a question that is not held, or will not be held as canon, but do you think we'll have fans in the SWPL football before the end of the season? No. Um, we can, of course we can, but I just... The way everything has went, again, we're not here to rip into the government, but we've had a Scottish Cup final that now could be getting played in, in Aberdeen only because Aberdeen have themselves offered to say, look, we can let Hibs and St Johnston play here. Um, you're getting playoff games where they're that big, you're getting crowds in, but very, very small numbers there. It certainly could work, of course it could, but I mean, women's football always seems to get put in that back seat and you don't see that changing but um, but hopefully it does because it's a level where exactly where the quality is there there's going to be so much to play for and it would be a perfect test to start getting folk in and see how teams can work with these numbers and what have you but aye it's those up to those in charge and let's just say I'm not filled with confidence so I'd love to see it and if it does happen then I'd be, I'd be, great. I'd be very pleased to be proved wrong but at the minute no I can't see it happening yeah sadly I I think I kind of agree with you. The the optimist in me, which is always the thing that shines through most, I like to think, is that there will be there will be fans back in back in the back in grounds. But as you mentioned, it doesn't. It, I feel like there would have been conversations about it now, and I, I haven't seen anybody making a push for it. I, I mean, if you think about how long fans of women's football have been outside the grounds for, if you think about how, let's be honest, the streaming services are okay, but they're not amazing. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's telling that there doesn't seem to be that much noise about it considering that potentially from next Wednesday where they've got midweek fixtures you could have fans in it 
there's also the part that to get the fans in, there's going to have to be test and trace. And I just, I don't, I, I, I will be very happily proven wrong. I think we both will here. Very happily proven wrong, but I'm just not sure that it will happen. But if it does, amazing. And hopefully people get to go to games because as, as people that go to football, very privileged to get to go to the games, see the games, but they are very much diminished without even the smarter and the fans you get at SWPL football just now, they are diminished for that. I mean, it's not great watching a game in an empty stadium at any level, so it's something that it could come back. I mean, the players will feel it too. Like you say, the crowds are maybe not huge in SWPL level, but when you're playing in a stadium, especially if you look at Glasgow City, for example, playing at Broadwood, it's a very echoey place, and it's even worse when there's not a soul there at all, so it would be the perfect chance to get fans in. It'd be good for the players as well, but we just, we just need to wait and see it. It'd be great to see it happening. If it does, then, of course, we'll be delighted. That means we're not the only folks in watching games either. But it's it's not something that is a guarantee yet, but hopefully they see a bit of sense. It's just, like, you, you said it yourself, women's football is such a perfect test for this because the crowds are smaller by nature. By nature, the crowds are a little less rambunctious. I think that's fair to say as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, please, if it can happen, make it happen. Give people a chance. Give people that are like looking for football. People haven't gone been able to go to a football game for over a year now. There'll be people that'll go, oh, do you know what? I can actually go to a game of football. Oh, there's actually something online about it. Oh, I'm going to go to that. Yeah, of course you can have my pack and trace details. I've been doing it in pubs. I've been doing it in restaurants for the last 12 months on and off. So why not at all? I'm going to be outside. We know the transmission light is low. Just for lots of reasons, make it happen. I'm pointing at the screen now, but um, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, as I say, I, I'm unfortunately with Campbell, and I'm not sure it will. But if the option is there come the 17th of May, and you've talked about the, obviously the playoff and the fact that they'll look to get fans in for that for the SWPL fell pyramid playoff, then we'll see what happens. But yeah. We'll get Jason thought. Leach on the podcast next week, Chris. He can explain the reasoning to us, and we'll all have a good laugh. Well, do you know what? I'll, I'll do the reach out for that. I'll see if Stuart and Tam will come on from off the ball as well, and we'll just get them all on and have a big party, and they can tell us how much they love women's football. But for now, um, I think that wraps up for this week. So, well, maybe not this week, but definitely for this podcast. So, um, Campbell, as always, thank you very much for coming on and uh, sharing your insight. See you Thursday. Yeah, we'll see you Thursday. And um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will speak again soon. <laughs>